What's up, everybody? How you doing today? Can you feel fall in the air? Pumpkin spice latte is two days away. And I wore my pumpkin spice outfit this morning, getting, getting the fall colors on. And I, I see like so many of you in the church are wearing your pumpkin spice latte outfit this morning. Like half of our staff walked in with the same color shirt this morning. I'm like, I know what's going on. You know what's going on. Fall is upon us. Come on, who likes this pumpkin spice latte? Come on, somebody. I like the pumpkin scone that Starbucks has. It's so good. And no one ever orders it. So like it's never sold out. So that's a little secret. Next time you go to Starbucks, get a pumpkin scone. It's very good. Look, there's Chase in his pumpkin spice latte outfit. Doing the walk of shame. <laughs> School started this week, right? For, for, for a lot of people, not for you. You're Colonial Heights, right? So not, not for you. You guys have to live in hell for a couple, couple more weeks. Um, but school started this week and falls upon us. And for a lot of people, we're going into football season. Come on, somebody. <laughs> for me, I'm a nerd. I'm going into marching band season. Watching all the marching bands. And um, I love fall state fair. Virginia is the most beautiful in the fall. It is absolutely gorgeous in the fall. So, so I'm excited about the fall. I think it's going to be really good. But we are not quite done yet. We still have a little bit of this summer to squeeze out. And so we're in the very end of our summer reading series. This has been an 85-part series, what it feels like. Um, going through a book by Chris Hodges called Freedom. And this book is so good this book is um, meant to be done in a small group. So it's not just meant to be a head knowledge thing, but it's meant to be something that you talk out and work out in a small group. And so I would encourage you, maybe if you've like really enjoyed this, maybe you're like, okay, this is really good, but I haven't really fully experienced the freedom that I was hoping to experience. I would encourage you this fall to sign up for one of our freedom groups, be a part of that, because that's going to be where you're going to actually like pray through some stuff, get some deliverance in your life, work out some stuff in your life and experience freedom. And so today we've got this week and next week, our last two messages on freedom. And I'm going a little off script this week. I'm going to talk a little off, off the, uh, out of the book. I'm going to do my own message today on freedom. I believe that freedom uh, in, in a lot of ways, we only ever think of half of the story when we think of freedom. There's more to freedom than what you and I originally thought, and that's what I want to share with you here today. So before I jump into that, I want to encourage you to come to prayer and worship night tonight. It's going to be awesome. It's at six o'clock. We got childcare provided. It's going to be a very, very good time, and it's a way to kind of close out the summer and begin our fall on the right foot and, um, and really go into it with prayer and worship. So it's going to be great. Um, I want to preach to you a message. I'm going to preach the entire message to you right now, Okay. This message today is, I'm gonna, there's three parts to it. You are free from, you are free for, no matter the circumstance. You are free from, you are free for, no matter the circumstance. That's the entire message. We're done. Go home, go to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> this entire message today is you are free from, you are free for, no matter the circumstance. I want to read this verse to you here today, 2 Timothy 2. Now in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, 
He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Come on, somebody, delete your Facebook in Jesus' name. Have nothing to do... You know, that's, it's, I deleted my Facebook a long time ago, and then all the controversies followed me over into Instagram. And as soon as you delete Instagram, they'll all follow you into TikTok. They'll just follow you wherever you go, so maybe we're the, con- we're the controversy, right? So have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies um, that you know breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I just want to bring attention to this part of this verse that says this. There's vessels for honorable use. There's vessels for dishonorable use. And if we've cleansed ourselves, if we're pure, we are ready for use by God for every good work. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you're going to speak to us today, that you're going to challenge us today, that you're going to reveal truth to us today. God, we have open hearts to you. We want to hear from you. We want to be transformed by you. Speak to us today. God, we thank you that fall is coming. We thank you that it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a blessed year. Even in the middle of talks of recession and all this kind of crazy stuff, we thank you that your people are going to be blessed, that we're going to walk in goodness, that we're going to walk in Goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life, the Bible says. So we thank you for that. God, we thank you for football season. We thank you for school. We thank you for pumpkin spice lattes this week. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen, 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 amen. Um, Maybe you remember a month ago, you drove past a sign that you drove past all the time, okay? Every one of you drives past this sign on a daily basis, And every single time you drive by, sometimes you don't notice it, sometimes you do notice it. But this time, a month ago, this sign really caught your attention. It was the first time ever that this sign really, like, you almost had a car wreck when you saw this sign. And you thought, I need to do something about this. Usually I ignore that sign, but right now I need to do something. I need to take action right now because of this sign that I just drove past. And this is what the sign looked like a month ago. (laughs) Mega millions, a billion dollars. Usually when you drive past this sign, it says 20 million. And you're like, eh, 20 million. Yeah, it would change my life, but whatever, you know. And then it says 100 million. You're like, yeah, whatever. And then it's like 200 million. You're like, maybe I should buy a ticket. And this day, it was 1.3 Billion with a B dollars. That's like, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Like, that's, that's a very big deal. $1.3 billion. And I know you. I know the kind of church you are. I know the kind of people you are. You bought a ticket. Come on, raise your hand if you bought a ticket. Just come on, come on. You're all sinners. <laughs> you bought a ticket. And what did you do when you bought a ticket? You said, God, if you give me the winning numbers... I will tithe to my church. And what did I say? I said, God, I didn't buy a ticket because I'm a pastor and that's wrong. But if you give someone in my church the winning ticket (laughs) and make them tithe on it, God, 
$1.3 billion. You know what's crazy about this? Is one person, one winning ticket, $1.3 billion. One winning ticket was sold. They found that the ticket had been sold. And to this day, this is the most shocking part of the story. To this day, the, the winner of that ticket has still not claimed the $1.3 billion that they won. Check this out. Single ticket holder who won 1.3 billion Mega Millions jackpot last month still hasn't claimed the prize. So I'm going, I wonder what's going on here. Like, I wonder what the situation is. I wonder if the guy bought the ticket, forgot about it, put it in his car, didn't think about it, has totally forgot about it. I wonder if the guy bought the ticket, realized he won a million dollars or a billion dollars and had a heart attack and now he's in heaven. I wonder if the guy bought the winning ticket and like what happens in my house, he left it in his pants pocket and his wife washed his clothes. <laughs> and he doesn't know if he has the winning ticket because all he has is receipt paper now in his, you know what I'm talking about, all the ink has been washed off. He doesn't know if he won the prize. I wonder what happened because, man, a billion dollars, you know what happens to us when we see that sign is for just a moment we think, what freedom would I have if I won the mega millions jackpot. What kind of freedom would I have? You know, a lot of us have jobs that we're just like, yeah, I don't really love that job, or I don't really like doing this, or I don't really like doing that. Especially people who work in the service industry, good Lord, I feel so bad for you when um, during the last two years, people have been absolutely psycho, crazy. I was flying on a plane, and I was talking to a flight attendant, and I was, I was just striking up a conversation, and this, this flight attendant was like, yeah, um, people have been insane the last two years. And uh, I, was, I was talking to him about like, do you guys, like, tell me what your job is like. And I said, do you know these other flight attendants you're flying with? And he's like, no, I, I met them this morning and I'll never see them again after today. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, we're all just on different flights, getting yelled at, getting spit at, getting yelled at, you know, just like stuff thrown at us every single day. And we don't even have friends because we don't even know the people that we're working with. So if you're in the service industry or if you're a flight attendant or if you're, man, I, I'm, I'm so sorry and I'm so thankful for you. And, but maybe you saw this and you're like, the freedom I would have if I didn't have to go to that job anymore. And so, you know, we think of the mega millions or the billion dollar ticket as this is going to buy me total freedom in my life. But the day after you win the lottery, not the day you win the lottery, but the day after you wake up in the morning and I got to ask this question. What do you do the day after you win the lottery? What do you do the day after you win the lottery? And I think most of us have this image in our mind that the day after you win the lottery, you wake up and you do whatever the heck you want to do. Am I right? If I win the lottery, I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And here's the lie that we all believe. Nobody is going to tell me what to do anymore. If I win the mega millions, nobody is going to tell me what to do anymore. And you wake up and you turn to your spouse and your spouse is telling you what to do. <laughs> and you're like, wife, do you not understand that I just have won the mega million billion dollar ticket? Nobody is going to tell me what to do. And she's like, no, we should spend it this way. So now you got a wife who's telling you what to do. Then you got a grandma who calls you and is like, hi, grandson, I haven't spoken to in millions of years. 
I know that you just won the mega million jackpot and I would like your help on this. Then you got the IRS calling you saying, give us over 50% of the ticket that you just won. There's this lie that we believe and it's this amazing lie that we all wish was true, which is one day I'm gonna have the life where nobody is gonna tell me what to do and nobody's gonna tell me how to live. In fact, we live in this country called America, and I love America. I, I have to say, there's a lot of talk about how bad America is and how dumb America is. I've traveled a lot of different places. I love America. I think America is a great country. I think it's an awesome country. I loved, I loved when I was in Miami, um, the church there, uh, you pull up onto the property and there's American flags everywhere. And I was like, if you did that like in another church, people would be like, you're worshiping America. And they're like, no, dude, we escaped from Cuba. And like, we're so thankful to be in America. And like, we're so happy. So like, I think America is a great country, but there's one thing that I think is a little out of balance. We love freedom, but we only understand half of what freedom is. Let me explain that for just a second. We love freedom because in America, deep down in all of us, we want this life where I'm gonna live life on my terms and nobody is gonna tell me what to do. And you can say, well, no, that's only the people on the right. The left doesn't do that. No, the left does that too. Well, no, that's only the people on the left. The right doesn't do that. No, it's like literally both sides. We are obsessed with freedom. We're just obsessed with different freedoms, right? Nobody's gonna tell me what to do with my body. Right now you're like, oh, that's a, that's a liberal. No, it's also a conservative who won't wear a mask during a, a thing, right? Well, no one's gonna tell me what to, what to do with this. No, everybody is, wants this dream life where nobody is gonna tell me what to do. Are you tracking with me? Nobody's gonna tell me how to live. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. Nobody, life on my terms. I'm gonna live the life. No one's gonna tell me what I can and can't say. No one's gonna tell me, and that is great but it's only half of what freedom is. It's only half of what freedom is. Um, Thomas Aquinas, who is a Christian philosopher many years ago, he said that there's three parts of freedom. There's three kinds of freedom. There's freedom of choice, which is free will, and God gives us free will. Then there is freedom from. What is freedom from? Freedom from hindrances. Freedom from things that hold us back. Freedom from sin and shame, freedom from certain things. But the rest of freedom is this missing part that we often don't think about, and it is freedom for. Now, Thomas Aquinas called this freedom for excellence. And what did he mean by this? He means not only are you free from certain things, but you are free for certain things. You are free to be the truest you you've ever been. You are free to be the person God's called you to be. You are free to be what he calls freedom of excellence, which is to live your most excellent life. You are free, not just from, but you are free for something. And another early Christian uh, philosopher said that the glory of God is a man fully alive or a woman fully alive. The glory of God in our earth God gets the most glory from my life and your life when you and I are most fully alive in Jesus. That's why the mission statement of our church is that we wanna lead people to become fully alive in Jesus. I don't want people just free from sin. I want them to be free for a fully alive life. I want them to be free for excellence. I want them to be free for a purpose and for 
a mission and for a purpose in their life. I wanna leave you with this, not leave you, we're not done with this message. <laughs> I wanna leave this section of the message with this thought here, and that's this. Um, when we're, we're uh, I lost my train of thought. Hang on, it'll come back. We're free for, guys, this is why I need notes. Somebody bring me notes up here. What are my notes? Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. So, as I was saying, Jesus, we're, we are most fully alive in Jesus when we are most fully submitted to Jesus. We're most fully alive in Jesus when we're most fully submitted to Jesus, right? We're not just free for some, from something, we're free for something. We're free for a purpose. We're free for a plan. We're free for a thing. Here's, here's what I was going to say, is that every single time that God spoke to someone in the Bible, every single time that he revealed himself to someone in the Bible, he always sent them. He never just appeared to somebody and said, hey, Moses. Moses is like, what's up, God? And he's like, I want to free you. And he's like, okay, great. And then he's like, you're free now. And Moses is like, awesome, thank you. He always then placed on them a purpose. Here's what I want from you. Abraham, he appears to Abraham. Abram becomes Abraham. He changes his identity. And when he appears to him, he doesn't just appear to him. He gives him an identity. He gives him a purpose. He gives him a mission. God doesn't just free us from things. He frees us for things, okay? So there's, in every situation, you're gonna be free from something, but you're gonna be free for something. Now, I wanna show you this. This is a table from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Romans chapter six. These are two Pauline passages, and Paul says this. He says, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Christ died for our sins. In Romans six, he says, we died with Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, we were, he was buried. In Romans six, he says, we were buried with him. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says he was raised on the third day. In Romans 6, it says we also will live with him. What does this mean? This means that because of God's, uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you and I were crucified with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and we're raised to new life. What does that mean? That means we are free from sin, death, hell, the grave. We are free from sin, death, hell, the grave. We are free from shame. We are free from condemnation. We are free from the spiritual oppression of the devil in our life. We are free from the addiction that used to hold us down. We are free from the curse that used to hold us down. We are free from those things, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Now, it's football season, and I'm not, I, 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 don't, I don't do football, okay? But I'm gonna use an analogy, and it's a football analogy, and if I get this wrong, you can correct me as I'm talking, okay? But when you're watching football and you see the guy and he's got the ball and he is running towards the end zone. Am I doing right so far? Okay. He's got the ball and he's running towards the end zone. And the other team, the opposing team, is they're pulling on him. They're trying to tackle him. They're trying to pull him down. They're, they're holding him. And then he breaks through. When we're watching on TV and he finally breaks through, being held back, being blocked, and all of a sudden he breaks through. What does that player do when he breaks through? Does he just suddenly stop and say, 
I'm free. I am free. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to hold me back. I am free. You know, honestly, in our culture, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate people who just stand still and go, nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate people, you live your authentic self, you live your true self, you live your truth. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate people giving a middle finger to the government. You're not gonna tell me what to do. That's what we celebrate. It's only half of the equation. You were freed from something, but you were freed for something. When the football player breaks through and he's got the ball and and he breaks through, you know what gets us on our feet is not just the fact that he broke through. It's that he runs with more energy and more excitement and more passion than he's had as fast as he possibly can towards the end zone. Why? Because he knows what his mission is. He knows that his mission is not freedom just for the sake of I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can live however I want. He knows that his mission is freedom so that he can do the thing that he's supposed to do, which is get this ball to that end zone. Are you tracking with me here? You are freed from something but it doesn't end there. You are freed for something. You know, I, I often wonder what happens with people when they've been in prison for many years and when they get out of prison, what do they do? And some of them make a beautiful life for themselves. They get out of prison, they start a new life, they build a family, they work hard. They, some of them start a brilliant, awesome new life for themselves. And some of them, three weeks later, are back in prison again. Why? Because they don't understand the second half of freedom. Freedom is not just getting out of jail. Freedom is now you are free to live the life that you're supposed to live. Okay, so we're freed from, but we're freed for. Now, I want to read this to you about being freed for. This is what James, this is how James identifies himself at the beginning of the letter. He says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul says it in Romans. Romans chapter 1, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. James, a bondservant, Paul, a slave. Now, this doesn't sound like the language of free people, right? Free people don't usually identify themselves as slaves. You know, if I'm set free, I don't usually say I'm a slave to Christ. But what these guys understood is these guys write about the freedom that we have in Jesus. They write about the freedom that God has bought for us. They write about the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, but they call themselves slaves of God. So what do we, what do we learn from this here? In Romans chapter 6, Paul says this. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just leave this verse up. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Now, isn't that true? When you're living for yourself and when you're living for your own pleasure and your own desire, you you can do whatever you want to do. 
but now you're bound by sin and, and you're enslaved to serving the sin that's in your life, right? And he says, so when, you are, when you're a slave to sin, you are free in regards to righteousness. You're right, you can watch whatever you want. You're right, you can say whatever you want. You're right, you can do whatever you want. But guess what? It's really, you're really not free. You're bound by however you feel that morning. You're bound by your own you know, selfishness. You're bound by your own desires. I hear stories all the time of, of families that are torn apart by, uh, by someone who's just living for themselves in the family, right? Who's just focused on themselves. People with drug addictions who have beautiful families and beautiful kids and whatever, and they can't, they literally cannot figure out how to break out of that. Why? Because they're in this thing where they're a slave to the sin that's in their life. They're a slave. Now they're free from righteousness. I can, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. But then Paul says this, but when you come to Jesus, you become free from sin, but now I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to the things that he wants from me. In other words, this whole thing of I'm going to do whatever I want, I'm going to say whatever I want, it's, it's, it's a lie. You are never going to live a life ever where you are completely in control. Either sin is in control or righteousness is in control. Either sin, either I'm a slave to sin and I'm free in regards to righteousness, or I'm a slave of Christ and, and I'm free in regards to sin. You are going to be free from something, and you are going to be free for something. You are never, ever, ever going to experience in this life a freedom where you can just wake up in the morning and do whatever you want, say whatever you want, live however you want, without a purpose or a thing. Like, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. Well, Kyle, that sounds oppressive. Like, why would God want to enslave me? Why would he want to enslave me? He just wants a slave? He just wants a mindless slave? No, he wants a willing participant in the relationship that he has with, with you. What he has for you is life eternal. What he has for you is real freedom. What he has for you is real salvation. And what do we give in return? We say, God, you can have everything for me. And so you're never gonna be free in the sense that I can just do whatever I want, I can say whatever I want, I can, nope, you're either gonna be a slave to sin or you're gonna be a slave to Christ. If you're a slave to Christ, you're free in regards to sin, shame, hell, the grave, right? If you're a slave to sin, you're free in regards to righteousness. You're right, you can, do, you can, you can live for yourself, you're right, but guess what? You're bound by a different kind of chain and that chain is gonna lead to death and hell. Are you tracking with me? This isn't meant to be condemning here. This is meant, this is just reality, okay? I, I hate to be the, the bearer of, of, this is actually really good news, but I hate, to, I hate to tell you this, but like the whole myth of no one's ever gonna tell me what to do, it's not true. You will be a slave in this life. Pick your master. You will be a slave in this life. Pick your master. You know who I pick? I pick God. I pick God. You know why? Because I think he's I think God is a better um, uh, director of my life than I am of my life. I believe that what he wants from me and what he wants to do in me and through me is far greater than what I want for me. You know, uh, the, the, the dreams and the visions and the plan that I have for my life, they're nothing in comparison to what God has for my life. 
So in other words, you are only as free as you are surrendered. You are only as free as you are surrendered. You are totally free to Christ if you're totally surrendered to Christ. Like you're totally free in Christ if you're totally surrendered to Christ. Now, um, when a lot of people come to Jesus, when they come to Jesus and they give their life to Jesus, what happens? You know, they, they're like totally sold out for God. They're totally sold out for church. They're like totally, they're at everything. They're serving all the time. You know, at our church, we say that if you're serving at the church, you should serve a service and attend a service. Like, come to the 9, uh, 9.30, serve, attend the 11.15, serve one, attend one. That's what we say, right? Um, but these people, when they give their life to Jesus, they're so sold out, they are serving every service. Worship's going on, they're worshiping every single service, right? We have a prayer a prayer meeting, they're at the prayer meeting. We have, they're at everything. Why? Because they're just, they just want to give. They just want to, they just want to be a part. They just want to serve. They just want to bless. They just, they, they, they want to serve God, right? Because they're so excited about the freedom that they've experienced that now they want to serve God with everything they have. And a lot of times me and Blake and Allie and Kenzie and all these different leaders were telling them like, you need to chill out a little bit. Like, you need to, like, chill out a little bit. It's great that you have all this passion, but, like, you're going to burn yourself out. And they're like, no, you don't understand what Jesus saved me from. I can't help but serve him with everything that I have. And then there comes a point where years later, all of a sudden, the serving, 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 they kind of get to this place a lot of times. Not everybody, but they get to this place where they look up one day and they say, Man, I'm just being so used. I'm being used by God. I'm being used by the church. They just want my time. They want my money. They want everything from me. I'm just being used. I'm just being used. I'm just being used. Have you ever seen someone like this before or heard someone like this before? And then all of a sudden, they're like, I'm done. I'm leaving church. And they, they withhold all of their giving. I don't just mean financially. I mean with their time and their energy. and their, They withhold it all. And they say, I'm over this. I'm over being used by God and used by the church. And what's, what's interesting to me is when you first give your life to Jesus, you realize you were being used by sin. You were being used by your addiction. You weren't using, you were being used. Are you tracking with me? I was being used by my sin. I was being used by my addiction. I was being used by, you know, by a, a worldly ideology. I was being used by these things. And when you realize that, you're like, I want to give everything to God. But then after a while, you, you start to get a little bit like selfish and you're like, no, I'm being used by the church and I don't want to be used anymore by the church. And it's like, yo, we weren't asking anything from you. You were serving God with gladness. What has happened here? You know, a lot of people will say stuff like the church. I, I actually haven't heard it in our church in a really long time, which is amazing. But a lot of people will say the church just wants your money. The church just wants your money. It's like, no, we want your everything. <laughs> I don't want your money. I want your heart. Not for me, for God. I don't want your money. I want your heart. Not for me, for God. I want you to give everything to the Lord. It's not about life code. It's not about our church. I want you to give everything to the Lord. But people say this. They're like, it's just about money. The church just wants your money. And I'm like, hear me for just a moment. You go to Starbucks 18 times a day. And I've never once heard you say, Starbucks just wants my money. <laughs> Starbucks just wants my money. You know? 
You're subscribed to every subscription service there is. You even got the dumb ones like Peacock, right? <laughs> like Netflix, I kind of get it. Hulu, I kind of get it. You're subscribed to Peacock, dude. You got Discovery Plus. It's only $4.99 a month. You're subscribed to a billion things. I don't remember the last time you opened your bank account and was like, how much money are they actually taking from me every month? You know why? You don't care. It's not about money. The church isn't about money, and even the way you live your life isn't about money. You know what it is? You're, you will throw money at Starbucks. You will throw money at Hulu. You will throw money at you know, a new, a new video game console comes out and you're like, PlayStation, have all my money. And then PlayStation isn't even available. And you're like, eBay, have all my money. I'll, I'll spend double the price to get the thing. You will throw your money. Why? It's not about money. It's about where's the pleasure going, right? When you are serving God, you don't care if you get the latte for yourself. You want God to be glorified. You want his house to be built. You want his kingdom to grow. And you're like, God, take all my money, right? But when it comes to like me, you don't care if Starbucks has your money because they're handing you a latte. They're worshiping you as you're worshiping them. Do you hear what I'm saying? But when we give to God, it's like we're giving to God and, and we have this thing of like, wait a second, I'm freely releasing this to God, but what am I gonna get in return? What am I gonna get in return? And I... I I think that's a silly way of looking at it. I think the better way to look at it is like, what has God already done in my life? And like, the, the, Romans chapter 12 says, this, is, this isn't about money, okay? This is just about serving. This is just about giving to God. Romans 12 says this. He says, he says um, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and, acceptable to, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. In other words, when you realize everything that God has done for you, it is only reasonable to say, God, you can have everything from me. We're not giving to God because it's not some cosmic exchange. You know, at Starbucks, I hand you my app, you hand me the latte, we've had an exchange. When I give to God, it's not some cosmic exchange where I give to him expecting him to give something to me. I give to him freely because he has already given everything to me. So, so, so why am I saying all this? I'm saying you're never, you're never just free from something. You're free for something. God has set you free for usefulness in God's kingdom. God has set you free so that you can do the good works he's called you to. God has set you free so that you can bless, so that you can serve, so that you can give. Listen, this, 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 this message has nothing to do with you giving to the church because we already took up the offering, okay? We're not gonna do it again. This message is about an attitude of generosity towards God. This message is about a thing of, of like, God, I am free from something, but I am free for something much better. I'm not just free from sin and hell in the grave. I am free for usefulness in God's kingdom. I am free for every good work. And that's what leads us back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy says this, Now in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, in other words, if I am free from sin, 
he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I was just with my grandparents in Germany and um, water is really expensive in Germany. It's like super expensive, like just out of the faucet. It's so expensive. Germans, when they take showers, they rinse themselves off, they turn off the water, they lather up, they turn the water on, they rinse themselves off again and turn off the water. Your teenager would die in Germany. Because right now your teenager takes 45 minute showers and drains all your hot water. But in Germany, water's just expensive. So I'm eating with my grandparents and I go to do the dishes and grandma's like yelling at me, don't run the water so long. And I'm like, I'm running the water as long as it takes to clean this dish. And she's like, no, just turn it on, turn it off, wipe off the dish and put it back. And I'm like, yeah, but then there's still like stuff on the plate and in the cup. And like grandma and granddaddy, I love you guys, but I don't want like you in my drink. I want like floaties. I don't want like anything. (laughs) I want a clean vessel when I go to eat. I want a clean plate. I want a clean glass. I want a clean cup. I want a clean, you know, like I want everything clean. This is no joke. I was at a, I was at a restaurant yesterday and the waitress came and I was with my two girls and the waitress came and she tripped and she, a glass dropped and went right past Scout, poured water all over Scout, all over her menu and the glass fell and shattered into a billion glass pieces on the ground. Scout never moved. She just kept coloring. I was like, Scout, are you okay? She was like, soaked, didn't move. I was like, that's amazing, because at home, if the milk tastes funny, you're screaming for five hours, right? But, but uh, didn't move. Glass goes everywhere. And the, and the waitress is like, I'm so sorry. This never happens. I'm like, take care of your finger. She cut her finger. Her finger's bleeding. I'm like, take care of your finger. Like, we'll be okay. Like, everything's fine. Obviously, Scout is totally chill. Like, this is great. She, she's like, I promise this never happens. I'm so, so sorry this never happens. I'm like, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. So she goes and she comes back with a new cup of water and she gives me the cup of water and no joke, there is a crack in the glass all the way through. I was like, yeah, this never happens. But then I asked the question, do you drink from a cup that is, it, it doesn't seem drinkable? Like, is there glass in this? I don't know. Is there food floating around in this? I don't know, right? What God wants to do is he wants to cleanse you for usefulness in God's kingdom. So he cleanses you, but then it says, so that you can be used by the master for every good work. I, I, I want to tell you this. I want you to be used by God. And we live in a culture that's like, no one's going to use me. No, one's gonna, no, I want you to be used by God. I want you to be used by God. I want God to look at your life and find it fitting to use you for his kingdom. I want God to look at you and go, I have cleansed that person And now I'm going to employ them for the kingdom of God. I'm going to put them to work. I'm going to, they're going to do love and good works. They're going to serve me. They're going to bless. You're never just going to be free to do nothing. You're going to be free to be used by God. You're free from and you're free for. Now, here's the last part of this message here today. You're free from, you're free for. Is this okay? Is everyone tracking with me here today? Okay. Is this one of those messages that hurts a little bit? Because you guys are being really quiet. Okay, good. Okay, good. This message hurts me because I so often I wake up in the morning and I'm like, God, thank you for freeing me. Now I'm going to live for myself today. And it's like, nope, nope, 
You're going you're gonna to be free to serve God. So here's the last part of this message in Acts chapter 16. This is Paul and Silas. They're, they're, at, a, they're at a city. And they, um, at this city, there is a woman who's got the spirit of divination. In other words, she, she tells the future, but it's not a godly thing. It's a devil thing. They cast the devil out of her, and the economy of this city is ruined because the economy of this city was built off of this girl with divin- div- uh, spirit of divination, and now that she doesn't have the demon whispering in her ear anymore, they're like, our, our economy is shot. So they get mad, and they tie up Paul and Silas and say this. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into an inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them about the same hour of the night and washed their, feet, uh, washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then they brought him into his house and set food before him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Here's the final part of this message today. You are free from, you are free for, no matter the circumstance. These guys are literally in prison and they're worshiping God. They're in prison and they're worshiping God. And as they're worshiping God, he literally frees them from earthly shackles and nobody even leaves. They're in the middle of a worship service. They're not leaving. They're in the middle of worship, in the middle of prison. And this guard is so confused, like, What's going on here? He gives his life to Jesus, and within the hour, he is baptized, and he is serving them and washing their wounds and taking care of them and feeding them. What am I trying to say here is that you are free for every good work, no matter your circumstance. What is, Kyle, you don't understand. If I had a full-time job in ministry, then I would be used by God. No. You can be used by God right now. Well, Kyle, if I had, you know, if I had a cooperative spouse, then I could be used by God. No, you can be used by God right now, right? If I, well, if, if my financial situation was finally ironed out, then I could be used by God. No, you can be used by God right now. The thing holding you back from serving God is not an earthly situation. The only thing holding you back from serving God is sin. It's, it's, it's spiritual oppression. It's not earthly oppression. Paul, Paul talks to, Paul says, if you gave your life to Jesus and you're a slave, slavery was very different in their day than it, than it was in American history. But he says, if you're a servant, when you give your life to Jesus, thank God that you are free in Jesus. He says, don't worry so much about your earthly situation. Worry about your spiritual condition. And he says, then he says, if you get a chance to be free, you should take it. 
But what, what is he saying here? He's saying that spiritual oppression is much, much, much worse than earthly oppression. Earthly oppression is temporary. We should all work as Christians to relieve earthly oppression, for sure. For sure. But what is he saying here? He's saying the real thing that's really holding you back is sin. The real thing that's really holding you back is self-worship. The real thing that's really holding you back is your own spiritual oppression in your life. And what does he say? He says, you're freed from that for usefulness in God's kingdom. No matter what the earthly circumstance, you have a job you don't like, you can still be used by God. You have a financial situation that's tough, you can still be used by God. You have, you have a household where maybe half of you are Christians and the other half aren't, you can still be used by God. You have a job that like the boss is so not understanding and you wanted to be at prayer night tonight, but he's like, you can't, you have to take this shift. And you know what? You can still be used by God. You're in prison, you can be used by God. You're, you're, you're in shackles, you can be used by God. We are freed from sin. We are freed for usefulness in God's kingdom, no matter the earthly circumstance. No matter the earthly circumstance. So what I want to encourage you here today is let's think of freedom the rest of the story. Not just, you know, freedom from an oppressive government or freedom from, that's all, that's all. Listen, I'm, I, I am more interested in politics than, than many people would imagine. And that's not to say that I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. I, I read like crazy about this stuff because I'm fascinated about how it all works. It's not the main thing. Are you tracking with me? It's not the main thing. Spiritual, spiritual things, are, they matter so much more than that stuff. So, so, uh, so what do we do? We want to be, be a people that is not just free from something, but we're free for something. We're free to serve God. We're free to worship God. We're free to, we're free to lift our hands. We're free to, we're free to bless. We're free to serve. Even if earthly conditions put me into shackles, I am free to do good. I am free to lift up the name of Jesus. I am free to believe. I am free to serve. I want to encourage you today to remind you, you're not just free from sin and shame, but you're free for usefulness in God's kingdom. Let me pray a prayer over you. God, I thank you so much for everyone who's here today. I thank you, God, that we're not just free from, but we are free for. We're not just free from, but we are free for. We're free for usefulness in the kingdom of God. We thank you, God, that you've washed us clean. Now, God, put us to work in your kingdom. Help us to, help us to be uh, gold and silver utensils, as it says, for honorable use. Put us to work in your kingdom. Put us to work, not just free from, but free for. Free to be the most excellent us that we can be. Free to be the fully alive person you've called us to be. Help us to be completely surrendered to Jesus so that we can be completely free on this earth. God, we choose to be enslaved to Christ and free from sin rather than being enslaved to sin and free from Christ. We thank you, God, for the work you're doing in our life. Use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen.